excited about that. Woke up this morning. I did go back to bed after I woke up, but I woke up about 2.20 this morning. And the Lord is, I don't know how it works for you when the Lord talks to you. Not always, but oftentimes I seem the most alert right when I wake up. I know some people are like, I have people that remain nameless in my family that when they wake up, alert is not a word that's in the vocabulary when they first wake up. <laughs> Maybe you know people like that. But um, I don't know why it is. Just, you know, the Lord frames us all differently, wires us a little differently. and That's why it's not wise to compare ourselves. But when I wake up, whether it's at 2.20 in the morning or, 4.15 or whenever it is that the Lord chooses to wake me up, I seem to be the most alert, and, and I usually wake up the same. I wake up listening. I, I mean, I, I'm so, um, I don't know what the right word is. I'm not OCD, but that's the thought that comes to mind. I'm almost OCD. It's like I won't move when I wake up. I wake up, and I, I don't want to move. I just want to listen. I want to hear. I want to. And so this morning at 2.20 when I woke up, and just the Lord started talking to me of all things about circumcision. And uh, so I want to look at a few things in Scripture. Genesis chapter 17. start you know my wife and I got married um, almost 26 years ago and uh, when we got married we exchanged vows Some of you in this room can relate to that. And uh, I know that now people like write their own vows and there's different, I don't have any issue with that. I, there's different ones. And as, as a minister that has worked with people getting married, I've went and read different vows at times. Like, you, man, if you ever want to be entertained, read some vows on the Internet sometime. Oh, my goodness gracious. Whew. But uh, when my wife and I got married uh, almost 26 years ago, it was we went the traditional route. And um, as far as vows go, and I was in favor of that. I just there's something about things that are tried and true like that. And uh, I know many of those traditional vows have their root in the Word of God. And so we did those things, you know, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health. Um, for better or for worse, till death do us part, and maybe there's something else, but those are the ones I still remember, and those are the ones I'm still trying to live up to, and, uh, but when we made those vows, I knew that day, I knew that day in 1992 that I was making them for life. 
I knew that. I had settled that issue before I ever asked her to marry me. I determined before I ever asked her that question. If I'm asking somebody to do this, I'm doing this for the rest of my life. And uh, we entered into, we used vows, but really what we did is we entered into a covenant with one another when we made those vows. We were covenanting with one another. And it was for life. And uh, I wouldn't have it any other way. And uh, I don't think she would either most days. And so praise God. No, she wouldn't either. Genesis 17 verse 1. There's a reason I said that. When Abram was 90 years old and nine. He's up in years here. The Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am the almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. I will make my covenant. Everybody say covenant. I will make my covenant between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. And Abram fell on his face and God talked with him saying, as for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be a father of many nations. Neither shall your name any more be called Abram, but thy name shall be Abraham. For a father of many nations have I made thee. And I will make thee exceeding fruitful, and I will make nations of thee, and kings shall come out of thee. And I will establish my covenant between me and thee. And notice, the covenant did not stop between Abraham and the Lord. As far as the Lord was concerned, he said, I'm going to establish this between me and you and your seed after you in their generations for an everlasting covenant. To be a God to you and to your seed after you. Which seed? Everlasting seed. That means it's a covenant that would not end. It's everlasting. Verse 8. And I will give to you and to your seed after you the land wherein you are a stranger in the land of Canaan. For an everlasting possession. And I will be their God. Just a little side note. That's why. Israel will always be a nation and will not be taken from them. In case you're wondering why, how that's possible for the prime minister of Jerusalem to say we're not giving this land up. There's why. If you want to know why they're not willing to recede any of the land and give it up to Palestinians, there's why. You want to know why the people of the world are pressing against Israel to say, come on, give up your land, let them... They're opposing the word of God. The Lord promised that land to Abraham in Genesis chapter 17. He made a covenant with him that that land would always be their land. And it was taken from them once. And the Lord said when they returned, it was prophesied in scripture. It would not be taken from them again. And praise God. I don't know why I'm saying that, but I feel the Holy Ghost. And so you should know 
you should know. That's why Israel will always remain. And when you see opposition against them, you can understand it's an opposition oftentimes to the word of God and the promise of God. But the word of God is sure and it will stand. Verse 9, God said to Abraham, you shall keep my covenant, therefore. Okay, see, now up to this point, God has been communicating to Abraham everything he's going to do. God has been saying, I'm going to establish my covenant with you. In other words, the Lord, what the Lord has really said in, in today's English and the way I think is he's saying, Abraham, I'm making this covenant with you, but I'm doing all the heavy lifting. God said to Abraham, you shall keep my covenant, therefore, thou and thy seed after thee and their generations. This is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you and thy seed after you. Every man child among you shall be circumcised. And you shall circumcise the flesh of your poor skin, and it shall be a token. Everybody say a token. Of the covenant betwixt me and you. Circumcision was in the Old Testament. A physical thing that took place. It was as we just read here. It was very significant in that. Every time a boy. Hebrew boy at eight days of age was circumcised it was a reminder to him and to his family of the token it was a token of the covenant that God had made between Abraham and every generation after him but we understand it reaches beyond Abraham's lifetime because the Lord said it would be an everlasting covenant and it would be to his seed and his seed after him. We don't have time tonight or we won't take the time tonight to walk through all of the scripture. But you can look and you can see the promises of the Lord to Abraham and to his seed and his seed after him. And one of the promises we read, we read in Genesis chapter 22 after Abraham went and offered Isaac or attempted to offer Isaac in obedience to the Lord as a sacrifice. The Lord stayed his hand. And said, now I know that you'll love me, you'll keep my word. And so the Lord renewed a promise to Abraham. Said, in blessing, I'll bless thee. And I'll bless your seed as the sand of the seashore. And I'll multiply your seed as the, or as the sand of the seashore and as the stars of heaven. And so you read that there and you see this promise to Abraham and his seed. It is a continuation of the covenant. That the Lord has made to Abraham. Hang with me. We're going somewhere. And so it's a continuation of this covenant. This relationship that God has entered into. With Abraham and his seed. Now it's a, it's a relationship that God has ordained. A promise that he's made. It is both a, natural, a promise to Abraham's natural seed. And a promise to Abraham's spiritual seed. That's why it's everlasting it's everlasting throughout all the generations of Israel. And as long as Israel remains, which it will remain until the Lord takes them, as long as they remain, it's in place. But there's also a spiritual seed. That's why the promise in Genesis 22, when the Lord reiterated it to Abraham, he said, the sand of the seashore and the stars of the heaven. 
We understand clearly the sand of the seashore is natural. That's on the earth. That's earthly. But the stars of the heaven are beyond the earth. They are what we would call extraterrestrial, beyond the earth. And so we know that the promise of the Lord was to the natural seed and to the seed that was beyond the natural. The seed that was of the earth and the seed that was not of the earth. That's speaking of a supernatural spiritual seed. And so if we fast forward through time, we could walk through a lot of this. We'll fast forward all the way through the New Testament. We find the promise of Abraham's seed being fulfilled when we are filled with the Holy Ghost as Gentiles. When Gentiles receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, that baptism of the Spirit of God is a spiritual seed. And it's the entering into the covenant and the promise that God made to Abraham in Genesis 17. We're entering in. You can go read in Romans 2 and Romans chapter 3. It will talk a lot about circumcision and you'll see that. You can read about Abraham and the promise. It says was the promise made of the law. Well, of course, we know it wasn't based on the law because Abraham was before the law. And so when we receive the baptism of the gift of the Holy Ghost, the spirit of the living God comes and dwells inside of us. It is the fulfillment of this promise. Between Abraham and God. That God would make his covenant. And it would be everlasting. We are spiritual seed of Abraham. When we're filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. All right. So let's go to the book of Colossians. one of those small books there in the Paul's letters and so it takes a second for me sometimes here Colossians chapter number two and we'll just start with verse number six Colossians 2 and 6. As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. How are we supposed to walk in him? Verse 7. Rooted and built up in him, established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Verse 8, beware, this is an interesting insert it seems, beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men and after the rudiments of the world and not after Christ. This is the challenge with Secondary education. Secondary education will spoil us or deceive us. I'm not opposed to furthering education. Don't misunderstand me. But it will spoil us through the philosophy, through philosophy of men. And vain deceit. Vain deceit is deceit that appeals to the vanity of man. I'm intelligent. I don't have to believe in a higher power. They'll use terms like that anymore 
And so we deny, or they would teach to deny the living God. Man can sustain himself. And so Paul is warning against this. Beware lest somebody spoils you through philosophy and vain deceit. And they do it after the traditions of men and the rudiments of the world or what they think is the wisdom of this world. And not after Christ. Why? Verse 9. For in him, that's in Christ, dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And you, everybody say me. Yeah, that means you and I. We are, let's say it that way, and we are complete in him. We're not complete of ourselves. We're not whole of ourselves. You know, I realize now, almost 26 years later, you know, the Lord said, for this cause a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and they too shall become one flesh. It doesn't take me long being away from my wife to realize that without her, I am not whole. I mean, she had the audacity to travel without me. As though I've never done that to her. To travel without me before I was leaving for a trip without her. And I told her, I said, we, matter of fact, we passed in the airport. This is how we greeted each other, one coming and one going. And I told her, I said, babe, you can never do this again. So I, I said, you can never travel without me before I travel. I mean, I'm pretty selfish that way. And so we got, I just told her, I said, we got to plan better. I, I, I was... I was not whole without her. I'm not whole without her. And so the fact that I had been without her and then I was leaving having been without her, I, I did not like the way it just, I just didn't like how it felt. We understand that in the natural. Now, when I was younger, and some of you are younger, you haven't been married as long as I have. And that's okay, I, but you understand as you get older, you don't look for ways to spend time apart. You look for ways to spend time together. And so when we're reading here in Colossians 2 and 10, the scripture says you are complete in him. And the things we've read you may have noticed those few verses before several times it referenced in him, in him. All of these things that come to us, all of these benefits that we reap, all of these things that are spoken to us in the word here by Paul writing to the church are in him. And it doesn't take long to realize in my relationship with God, if it's a one-off relationship, it's pretty limited. But as long as I continue pursuing him, he's always pursuing me. And I'm complete when I'm in him. And you're complete when you're in him. That's his design and his desire. And he is the head of all principality and power. Verse 11. Watch this. Actually, go back. Thank you. I love how quick he is. 
awesome. So you guys, if you've never done that, what Brother Gabriel does back there, you just can't appreciate how valuable he is. So thank you, Brother Gabriel. You are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power, colon. He's getting ready to define something that comes after this thought, right? So what is part of that process of being complete in him? Verse 11. In whom, there's that word again, in. In whom also you are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands. All right, notice now what we just did, we shifted. In Genesis, where we read about this covenant relationship with Abraham and his seed and his seed after him that was everlasting, and the token of the covenant was what? Circumcision, right? Circumcision was something in the natural that was a was a, cov a token of the covenant between God and man. And so now we find that brought here into the New Testament in this example, and we're talking about being made complete in him, and he said it's through circumcision with the circumcision made without hands. In other words, this is not a natural circumcision. This is a spiritual work that's done. But it still bears the same token and weight of responsibility. It is still an entering into a covenant. It is still a token of a covenant. I have here on my hand, I, I, I wear a wedding band uh, here. I, my wife and I had been married less than two years, and maybe less, actually less than a year. She would probably tell you how many months. But uh, we digress. We had been married less than a year. I was working at Walmart. And I was still getting used to having a wedding band on. And I went into the restroom where I worked. I, I took, took that off, washed my hands, got them scrubbed real good. And I walked out and I forgot to pick my wedding band back up. Well, I had gotten 30 paces away from the door and I remembered. And I turned around and went back and it was gone. And uh, so I went quite a while without a wedding band. Then I got one. Then I went without one again. And. Then I ended up, no reason, but then I ended up in the banking world, and I was like, I'm getting a wedding band on my hand really quick. If you, There's a reason in the banking world. And, and so, but this is a symbol. I wouldn't necessarily call it a token, but in many ways, it's a sign to many of a covenant that I'm in, of a covenant relationship that I'm in. Now, we live in a world today where people can see that on someone's hand and they could care less. Right? But we should honor the covenant. And so circumcision was this token. What we find here, the Lord is inviting us. Remember when he established it in Genesis with Abraham? He did all the heavy lifting. And then circumcision was man's part. That was the small part of man that, it, that brought the covenant into be. That was his side of it. 
And the Lord did all of those things. And it was simply a token of that relationship that was everlasting. That's what we're having here. And he's telling us here now in the spiritual, it's the putting off of the body of the sins of the flesh. These things I did before I knew him, before I came into relationship with him, and before I said to him, Lord Jesus Christ, I've made a mess of my life. I want to give it to you. I want my life to be hid with you in Christ. And so therefore, I'm asking you to take me. Let me come into covenant relationship with you. Let me be made one with you. You know, it really is a marriage relationship with him. He is, we are the bride. When he comes back for the church, it doesn't say he's coming for the church. It says he's coming for his bride. And so... The circumcision here is an entering into that covenant relationship with God. It's a putting off of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. He made a way through Calvary. Understand, at Calvary when he laid his flesh on the cross and allowed it to be pierced and bled and died for you and I, on the cross, he was making a way for us to be able to have the sins of our flesh put off because you and I in our own ability could never put off the sins of our flesh. The wages of our sin is death. And so he died so we don't have to. He took our sin on him, died on our behalf so we could be free from sin. And so when we desire to enter into relationship with him, we say, I'm accepting the covenant that you've established. And now I'm going to make a token of that covenant, circumcision in my life, but not a natural circumcision like Abraham did with his sons and like Israel did with their sons at eight days old throughout generations. But this is a spiritual work that's being done when I enter into this circumcision. And notice this verse ends with a colon. And so now the writer is going to describe what causes this to take place. Does that make sense? So let's go to verse 12 and see what that is. Here is the spiritual circumcision. We are buried with him. Who's him? Christ. Christ who died for us. We are buried with him in baptism. Wherein also you are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who hath raised him from the dead. So when you and I make a conscious decision to respond to the beckoning of the Spirit of God upon our life and the reaching of his living word into our heart, and we choose to identify that God is reaching to me, that his word was written to me, that his spirit is drawing me and I want to respond. There's a part of my life that he's reaching to. It's of his design. He created me. And there's this sinful nature and flesh that is leading me down a path of destruction. But he's made a way for me to get out. And it's through him and through a circumcision he initiated on a cross and a covenant he made with Abraham thousands of years ago. But he saw you and me down the road and he made a way for me. And I want to respond to that. I want to enter into that relationship and that covenant with him once and for all. There's a way that we must understand. 
just as sure as I stood that day in June of 1992 on the platform at Harvest Tabernacle and said, I do. When I entered into that covenant relationship, I entered with the understanding it is for life. I am giving up my individual life and identity. You know how significant it was for the bride, which you and I are the bride of Christ when we enter into this relationship. It's so significant for the bride that she gave up her name and took mine. Do you think it doesn't matter if you're not buried in the name of Jesus? It absolutely matters. It's why the name matters. It's because it's signifying. It's a token of a covenant. And it's an entering into a covenant relationship with him. Now we're not under the old law, you understand. But Abraham, when he received the promise, wasn't under the law. What we're entering into is a spiritual circumcision. When we go into the waters of baptism, it's no longer a circumcision of the flesh. It is a circumcision of the heart. And you can read in the Old Testament because it's prophesied throughout twice at least. Twice at least in Deuteronomy, it's already prophesied about. Jeremiah prophesied about it. And there's several other places that the Lord spoke through men of God and said, it's not a circumcision of the flesh, but a circumcision of the heart. And this is what Paul is alluding to when he writes and he says to us, this circumcision that's taking place, it's burial with Christ in baptism. So when you and I chose to, or when we choose to, be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of our sins, we are not just getting wet and checking a list. We are saying, Lord... I'm entering into a token of a covenant with you. This is a token of a relationship that is for the rest of my life. And the reality about this covenant is it's not just for the rest of your life. Because the promise to Abraham was everlasting. When you and I enter this, it becomes an everlasting covenant on our behalf. That's why he could promise us eternal life. When you and I are baptized in Jesus' name, it was the taking of vows, if I can say it that way. It was, I'm accepting the sacrifice of Calvary. I'm accepting the blood of Jesus Christ to remit the sins of my flesh that I could not do myself. And I'm acknowledging that I'm incomplete in myself. But I'm whole in Him. I'm made perfect in Him. You are complete in Him. We are complete in Him. And the initial token of that covenant is the precious waters of baptism in the name of Jesus Christ. 
it becomes more precious to me. There were times when I was younger, I thought maybe I made a mistake because I'd gotten baptized when I was really young. I thought, man, I don't know that I really understood the significance or that it, that it meant as much to me as it should then. But in reflection, I realize it's just meant more and more and more and more. I don't know that anyone ever gets baptized and it means as much then as it means down the road. My aunt and uncle, they sold their house just a few years ago. They'd had it for, goodness, I don't know, maybe 40 years. At least 40 years. Had to have it for 40 years. I was sad when they sold their house. They hadn't lived in it for a while. I was baptized in the bathtub in their house. It was a special place to me. I've thought at times about buying the house. <laughs> Isn't that silly? Because <laughs> it was just a natural place. It was a significant thing. I remember, I remember when they remodeled the bathroom, the people that were, I was sad that they remodeled the bathroom because it looked different than I remembered it. When I, that, I know that sounds strange, but I, I was baptized in the bathtub in that bathroom in their home. And so it was a special place to me. It was the token of a covenant. It was the token of a covenant. Why don't you stand with me tonight? I, you can do a lot of digging in scripture. And it would take a while to exhaust this study on circumcision. But I find an interesting story. In the book of Joshua, I believe it's the second chapter. children of Israel had wandered in the wilderness for 40 years and they're about to cross over the Jordan about to take Jericho and the Lord says to Joshua Joshua hold on a minute and the scripture reads this way I believe circumcise them again interesting now don't misunderstand I'm not preaching a second baptism Ephesians 4 and 5 is clear there's one Lord there's one faith there's one baptism if you've been baptized in Jesus name once you don't ever need to be baptized again but the Lord was dealing with some things that even though the Lord had brought them out of Egypt because the amount of time that they had, that had been spent wandering, not walking in the promise of God. There had been some things that had gotten into their lives. And the Lord was trying to deal with some of that. And he said, I want you to circumcise them again. And he called that place Gilgal. 
Gilgal just means rolling away. But the Lord made this statement to the people of Israel there at that time of circumcision. He said, this day have I rolled away all the reproach of Egypt. It was 40 years later. You know what I realized this morning, the Lord talking to me and praying about this. I found myself praying something I don't know if I've ever prayed before. At least not in this manner. Lord, would you circumcise my heart afresh today? If it's possible that stuff has got in there, got, on the, got in the way, or tried to come between you and I in any way in this covenant, in this relationship, I haven't bailed on you, Lord, but if there's anything, God, circumcise my heart afresh by your spirit. Do it afresh. A reminder of the covenant and the relationship I'm in with you. Would you talk to the Lord with me right now where you are? Let his spirit reach into your heart and life. If you've been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, you are in an everlasting covenant relationship. What a beautiful, precious thing that is. Jesus, I thank you. Jesus, I worship you. Hallelujah. I exalt you, Lord. I thank you tonight. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Hiralamaki otoroshiti amaha. Hiralamande yeki aramasi oloboko yi arabaki tolobosi ataha. In the name of Jesus, thank you, Lord. You made a way where there was no way. You made a way for us to be complete in you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Praise God. We're going to baptize, as we shared at the outset, several precious people tonight. I'm thankful for that. Amen. I, uh, I pray that this precious token becomes more and more precious to each one of us every day. Amen. Because when we go down or when we went down in the waters of baptism, the blood of Jesus Christ did exactly what he spoke to the children. You understand what he spoke to the children of Israel in Joshua was simply foreshadowing what he was doing for us in the spiritual. This day, have I rolled away all the reproach of Egypt. When you and I are baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. It is for the remission of sins. The removal, the washing away of all of our sins. 
And it doesn't say the remission of your sins in Scripture. It says the remission of sins. That means the sins that are remitted are not just mine. It's those that have sinned against me. Those are remitted as well. So I no longer have reproach. What a beginning of a relationship. Amen. Praise God. Aren't you thankful tonight? Amen. The Lord bless you. We're going to give an opportunity for those that have been baptized to get ready. And we'll do that. Amen. Greet someone in Jesus' name.